just a quick disclaimer before we get into the episode. Um, this is not about the real men of Easy Company. This is about the show Band of Brothers. We are not disparaging the legacy and the campaigns of the actual men who fought in World War II. We are simply some friends who want to talk about Band of Brothers because it's our favorite show. And with that being said, enjoy the episode. Once again, this is the second part um, of this episode six two-parter. This one we do a lot more in-depth discussion on the episode and the themes that arise when you have a character-driven episode who isn't um, on the front line in the traditional sense. Um, Yeah, so part two of episode six. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode six, Bastone. And this is a very special episode to me because it's my favorite episode and everyone here's favorite episode as well. Um, joining us, we have Willow, we have Hello. Rachel, Hi. and we have Nate. Hello. And um, yeah, so you guys are all first timers here. So I have a couple of questions just to get the ball rolling. Okay. Who is your favorite character and why? Should we take turns? Yeah, whoever wants to start. We'll go counter or whatever way. We'll go in a clockwise way, whoever starts. In just this episode or in the Or just in in the whole series, just to like, you know. (sighs) I feel like I'm dobbing myself in, but obviously I like Webster the interesting perspective on the war and you know this is a a very much a hero worshipping series and I think it's interesting to have someone who isn't very gusto about the war and is actually quite cynical about it it's an interesting point of view to say like you know not everyone who fought was super patriotic and doing it because it was their duty but rather I don't know I find him. I find him and his perspective very interesting. Okay, that's valid. I will accept that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, you have a lot of people who, particularly, don't like Webster because he whines. But like, I do understand what you mean. Like, he's he's he didn't come from the world where it was commonplace. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't hate him because he whines. He just. There are other issues with him that I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. Rachel's face just dropped there. <laughs> I think oh. it's so funny. Like everyone, like, you know, when you go, the, the, um, when you go online and everyone's like, oh yeah, Webster sucks and he's this and he's that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I get it. He's, he, it's annoying. And he, you know, he does try to get out of things, but like, I feel like who wouldn't in that situation really, you don't really want to be risking your neck when you don't have to be. <laughs> like, yeah go on this patrol and you're gonna die and it's like what if I didn't have to die though like what if I could <laughs> stay here like definitely a reverse card yeah I think that's great and I think it's definitely good to have a character within this show that isn't all you know up for it and yeah you know actually shows a different perspective like actually no I would rather 
not do that <laughs> and save myself or you know I you know no one goes into the war going this I want to die I can't wait to die like you're doing it because yeah you think it's your duty but also you want to make it to the end of the war you want to survive and so why yeah. not any chance that you can to take yourself out of danger and I think you know this is a show where they kind of like you know shamed him a bit of it like oh he's always trying to get out of it and it's like well okay that's fine <laughs> I don't want to die yeah 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 and that's yeah i agree all right (laughs) clockwise so that would be nate um either gene or martin oh Um, martin oh i love that guy martin because i'm a dexter fletcher stanny um there's no other reasons there. he doesn't really have much of a character in the show so there's no more substance there. Anyway, Gene, because why wouldn't you? I don't really have very good, very good reasons why I like these people. I just do. So there's my short. It's just answer. like, like your like first initial like, yep, him. Yeah, yeah, and I also obviously six is my favorite. So you know, yeah. it's centered around Gene. So yeah, and then I give him mine. So what was yours? Mine's Liebgott. Believe it or not, Bobby. King. Uh, it's a tie between Liebgott because Jews Jew supports Jew, just like that Jew kinship of yeah, he writes. Yeah, he writes. And Roe, because I just love gentle, nurturing people. Yeah. And that is very much, I mean, the medic, you sort of have to, like, I guess, portray softer. Yeah. So he can, like, take care of them. I mean, he's, he's literally the mum friend. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting, though, with, like, um, gender coding. You see the medic as more of a womanly, a female pr- profession. And so then you create a character that is softer and kinder and doesn't, you know take part in the fighting just because that's the qualities that you expect to have with a medic but then when you read you know like portrayals of not portrayals but like when you read accounts of what Doc was like in real life he seemed very much not like that kind of portrayal so it's interesting really well they uh, I want to say I read somewhere that like they had a scene in this episode where he had like a sidearm and he like shot it but mm. they took it out because they didn't want to, like, sort of skew the image of, like, trying to make him the softer edge of the whole of Easy Company. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just, like, yeah. Um, so, I don't have to ask what's our favorite episode because <laughs> we're all here. But, okay, what brought you guys to the show? Like, how did you, like, watch it? Like, when was it? Why? My mom, <laughs> I um, went to university to do history. Um, my mom was like, oh, have you watched Band of Brothers? I was like, no, never seen it. And so she was like, well, we'll watch it. And then I did. And that's how, and that's how I watched Band of Brothers. But I did have a few friends from university who liked it as well. In fact, one of my friends has like met loads of the cast. And I remember her telling me, I was like, what even is this show? <laughs> and I watched it. But yeah, that was quite strange, really. Um, well, I watched it because I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, 
<laughs> and then I watched The Pacific because Rummy and Joe were in it. So then yeah. I obviously had to watch Band of Brothers. So Bohemian Rhapsody brought me here. <laughs> I went the other way. I watched, the, watched Band of Brothers. Then I watched The Pacific. And then Bohemian Rhapsody came out with both of them in it. I was like, what are the, what are the chances? <laughs> Crazy. And Dex Fletch as well. I oh, know. Sometimes I forget that that's what brought me here. But yeah, there you go. I'm fully aware that that is my exact trajectory as well. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you, you, I mean, I watched the Pacific, and then everyone was like, "Oh well, if you watch the Pacific, you have to watch Band of Brothers." And I'm like, "Well, can't get any worse than this." So I watched it. <laughs> yeah. The first time I watched Band of Brothers, I didn't like it that much, um, but now I like it more than the Pacific. So. Yeah, I remember watching Band of Brothers and like having no idea who anyone was. I got Spears and Shifty switched up. Like I had no idea. Ooh, so there's so was. many white men. <laughs> I mean, they all like too many men. Too many white yeah. men, and they all yeah. look the same. The exactly. only people I knew was obviously Winters, and then Doc Row because he gets his whole episode, and then Webster because he gets his whole episode, and Lipton. But all those characters when they have their own episode, I was like, who even? I've never seen them before. I and only knew. I only knew. Start, you're like, they're all fucking here. Yeah, I only knew. I knew Skip and um and Martin. And that was uh, it. I feel like I have a good, pretty good uh, memory for faces, so I feel like I, I after like the third episode, I could like remember who who's who but yeah it's it's yeah. too much at the first was in the names mix up the only way i could remember people is that a lot of them like the english actors we'd seen on tv so we'd be like oh that's um you know such and such from call the midwife and that's that guy from sherlock and it was like oh there or james mcavoy you know random mm. people up and dex fletch i knew from misfits i was like oh really didn't expect him to be in this even though he obviously did it first but he was on misfits yeah, yeah, Nathan's dad. <laughs> oh. I like, Nate, Misfits is like one of my favourite TV shows, so I was like... I can't even remember where I know Dexter Searcher from, honestly. He was also in Bugsy Malone. Oh, I, I hate that movie so much. Bugsy Malone when I was a kid. These are just <laughs> British things that I have no idea about. Mm-hmm. I'm a dumb American. Um, Stardust, he plays a pirate in Stardust. What? That's it. Oh, I was going to say that, like, I spent, like, the first couple watch-throughs of Band of Brothers with, like, the Amazon X-ray on, so I was, like, matching, like, faces to, like, characters. That's just, like, how I learned, but. All right. Are we ready to get into the episode? Boy, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, we are talking about episode six, even though it might not have seemed like that for the first couple minutes. All right. So within the first couple minutes, this is the first time it's brought up, and I'm officially um, calling for a ban on scissors. Yes. With the spelling S I Z Z U H S. Scissors and morphine. Calling for a hear that anymore. Get rid. Don't like it. It's just so twenty years. It may be three times, and then everyone's like, "This is his personality. It's scissors and morphine. It's like." I'm begging you to just pay attention to anything else. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> the series, like, it's like the inevitability of like this 20 year old series that jokes are going to get recycled and tired out. And it's like, ugh, I had it. But like, but like a lot of people don't think that that's a tired joke. 
but it is. I know. And <laughs> I'm just so like, is. it's exhausted. It's in its grave. Um, <laughs> an alternative that would be marginally funny for like, maybe like two years is Hinkle jokes. No, no. Those oh my are God. <laughs> don't, don't give them ideas. Don't give them ideas. <laughs> give them ideas. Just if I have to think anything, else. you know, any more tweets or posts about you know Hinkle is that's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna go there. And no more new up. jokes. The fandom has progressed beyond the need for new jokes. I don't need any more jokes. You know, there's ten episodes. I think we've you know wrung it dry. There's nothing more that can come out of it after twenty years. It's like, oh, did you see that? I'm like, yes, we yeah. have. This has to be where it stops. This is the official be-all, end-all. We are no longer talking about Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers is done. <laughs> what are we doing here? No mention <laughs> of it. We're going to delete everything. Stop talking about it. It's just embarrassing. You like Band of Brothers? Ugh, couldn't be me. Got to unfollow the cast. <laughs> unfollow the cast. You were, like you were following the cast? No. Yes. <laughs> I don't have Twitter. I don't. Just, just like follow the cast of like if any of you mention Banner Brothers, I'm unfollowing. <laughs> Not here for that. I'm here Probably. for Hat, and that's it. <laughs> right. Oh, also, quick thank you to Shane Taylor for finally letting me follow you. Um, that's been I've been in that's been in the works since since February. That's been in the works. Um. So we were talking a little bit about like the caretaking nature of Jean. Specifically in, like, the offset um, and how it sort of is portrayed more as a feminine role. But then we have the one and only sort of female speaking character in this episode of Renee. The only one. The only one. The only one with well, a name. <laughs> and only lines. one with a name. Because we um, have Anna, but she doesn't talk. Well, well, I mean, if you'll think back to episode th- three, there's the laundry lady, but that's it. We right. don't even know her name. Does she have a name? Does she have a name? She does not have a name. Um, For the, the life of me, I can't, is I can't being remember if she has a name. Mm. Yeah. So we have the character of Renee, and I think they could have done a lot more with it, but one thing that always sort of bothered me is they tried to slowly sneak her in there as like the only romantic relief right and you know I think you could have had her without having to imply that Jean had feelings for her or they had feelings for each other I don't know if that's necessarily true because I saw it more as this was his like relief from the war front in that he had someone who he could relate to and someone who understood what he was going through and that she works in the hospital and she has a lack of supplies and you know she has to see all this horrors and so does he and he doesn't really have anyone who is like similar to him in that way on the front because you know he's in demand he needs to be over there he can't he's very separated from the rest of the men as they show whether that's for his like, own benefit that like he doesn't get too close and too emotionally tied or whatever but I always saw it not as a romantic thing but rather as this is someone who he can kind of unload his burden onto and to share experiences with because he doesn't have anyone like that and you see him being very war weary during the whole episode and like you know you have Spina who's the other um, medic who decidedly isn't at all like Doc the Doc so I think that's what it was, really. I mean, whether or not there was a romantic intent, but that's not really how I saw it. Yeah, and I, I, 
I never like saw it as like personally romantic, but I could see that they might have been going for that in a way that like you know, he sought her out when he was there or whatever. And it could very much have been just about relief. Um, but I think a lot of enough people over the years have sort of construed it as like, oh, he, he lost someone that he loved on the front or whatever. Um, no, I think I saw it more as he lost someone he, he could relate to and who he, who could like, you know, help him in a sense. He lost that and then he has to go back and inevitably move on anyway. And he's just lost that like touch of perhaps like yeah. kind because everyone else in that hospital, the doctors were kind of, you know, yelling orders and things. So it was, she was really the only kind of person like, like him in a sense. Yeah. It's confusing because I don't want to see it as a romantic relationship because I, they didn't give us enough for that, yeah. but the nature of shows and media is that, when people see man and woman in the same environment and in the same predicament, they're like, oh, something's <laughs> hinky's going on. I, I don't want to see it like that. I think what, what Rachel said is very true. I think they could have developed it more because we, could, we, we can see that they understand each other's pain in that scene in the church where they're trying to save that man and they look at each other and they just know what the other the other the other's thinking and they could have done a lot more with that but it's a mini series and every episode is like an hour and they can't do everything they want to do yeah i think the fact that we even got an episode that centered around the medic was you know yeah. in itself like you know you don't really get that i think that's why it's probably my favorite episode is that it switches perspective from you know the soldier to the medic who has to go through something completely different and it sort of switches the perspective of war to the viewer i think i think it's a very smart smart, smart way to tell a story through the medic because yeah he watches over everyone and he knows everyone and it's a way to get to know him and the company and how they feel well, like an outside point of view you're like his worry isn't what the who he has to kill or what he like you know he he doesn't have to be protective of himself necessarily but he has to worry about where medical supplies are going to come from how is he going to be able to save these men like that he has a different responsibility than than they do where they can just like sort of focus on themselves and what they have to do their job and they're like fighting whereas he has to focus on everyone and make sure that he's where they need him to be and all this kind of thing so it's a different you can see that really well in the scene where they go on that patrol and he stays behind and just sits there and stares very intensely out <laughs> into the fog it's like that contrast between them in the middle in the heat of battle and him just waiting for something to happen yeah, well, and it's almost like he isn't really a soldier because he doesn't do this fighting and he's sort of like on the fringe almost. Like he's needed everywhere, but also like never really part of... He seems like kind of on the outside, on the fringe of it all. Well, and I think it's especially um, impressive that they were able to get all this in one episode considering how little was known about Doc Rose specifically. And how, like, he's only mentioned very few times in the book Band of Brothers and, like, his family, he never really talked to any of it about. 
So, like, the fact that they were able to, like, garner all this from just, like, stories from the actual men and able to make it into a full hour of seeing sort of the... You sort of see a... I don't want to call it a degradation, but, like, you sort of see him going from, like, functioning at the top to, like, at the very end of the episode, like, he literally has to be pulled out of his foxhole. Because he's, like, paralyzed with fear. Well, I'd see it as more as, like, this weariness. He has to be up all the time. He has to be alert all the time. He has to be, if one, if more than one person is wounded, he, it has to be him that has to go and get, make sure they're all sorted out, make sure they're all, you know, safe. He has their life in his hands and I don't know you know yeah it probably is a combination of fear but also the fact that he's just never stopping he's always has to be on like his alert and always making sure that he can get to somebody when the bombs are going off like when everyone else is in their foxholes he has to get up during the barrage and go and sort sort whoever's injured yeah like seeing your friends in that position as well like you have it's like if, if like one of your friends was laying there bleeding out, you're like, it's your responsibility to make sure that they survive. And that probably does take, definitely takes a toll on your mental capacity and your mental abilities. Yeah, yeah. when he's lying in this foxhole and he doesn't want to get up, it's like he can't take seeing them suffer and die anymore. He doesn't want to do that. It's like he knows that when he gets up, he has to go to someone who is injured and has to see them in that state. But yeah, I was saying more in the sense that like he's just like you just see him like tired in like all ways. Like they all obviously were like at that point in time. That was like I think maybe two weeks into the Battle of the Bulge. Like no one was doing well, but especially when you have a company with two medics and like a hundred men. Yeah, it just so it kind of shows like the ridiculousness, the ridiculousness of it. Like you know, they only have two medics to all these men, and if one of them you know gets killed, then they only have one medic to all these men. So it's just, and it's not it's, just that they only have two medics; they barely have any supplies to work with. Yeah, and just, someone comes to you and says, "I'm pissing needles," and you have to say, "Well, drink water. I've got nothing for you." I literally yeah. can't do anything for you, babe. Like. <laughs> You you really understand why medics don't get close to people. Like, I you there's a lot of, like, I saw a post on Tumblr that was, like, they understood why he never called anyone by their name or their nickname or whatever. Because it's, like, he knew if he crossed that barrier into friendship, which, uh, I don't know, spoiler alert, he does. Um, and he uses nicknames, he uses, like, a nickname with someone that's a sign of attachment and that's a real risk you run losing them yeah but he also calls them by their nicknames when they're injured yeah it's a very smoke careful line that he's always walking like he's trying not to feel something for them but he already does he's just trying to convince himself he doesn't yeah, or perhaps especially when they're wounded, like a source of comfort. Like if you get called your nickname by someone, the you know you feel that closeness and that reassurance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I think it's particularly interesting in speaking of <laughs> speaking of Babe. It's particularly interesting in that case because, um, 
he's the one you see more so taking care of him throughout the episode. Like, in, like, just small ways, you know? Like, the chocolate. He, the cho- like, yeah, he's, well, not, I'm saying, like, like, Doc is taking care of everyone else, but, like, in just, like, little, like, minute ways, you see Babe more so taking care of Doc, like, getting him food when he's, like, sitting against mm-hmm. a tree. Um, what is it? He's the one that pulls him out of the foxhole. It's just, like, just to know that, like, there were people looking out for him as well is sort of, like, and he, he gave them everything except for, like, emotional connection, but they all felt emotionally connected to him. Well, you see Babe doing that, and you also see Winters when he tells him to go into town and get a hot meal. Yeah. The, knocking knocking the gingers. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that he's looking after everyone, but there aren't many people looking after him yeah so like the small little acts of kindness that like people do do for them are like just seconds of screen time but like that's something that like always stuck out to me the most yeah you can Um, like throughout the episode you can see winters like hovering around him like keeping tabs on him and i always thought that that's really sweet yeah um, but there are, like, other things happening in the episode that are just, like, you see them, you sort of take them for granted in, like, the, like, wo- like, not fighting, not war, it's a war show, but in, like, the, like, company-centered episodes where you see, like, more, um, I guess, not hijinks, but, like, camaraderie and you just see like the little glimpses of it in this episode shenanigans the brother so you, see the, the you see the yeah you see the little shenanigans mm-hmm. um in like the periphery in this episode which is done by design but like when he's running around to the foxholes and you just hear like Allie and Lee got in the one hole just like singing but like that's not the the only mention of Leave Got in the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the whole when they, they're sitting around talking about Hinkle. Yeah. Hinkle jokes. Hinkle jokes 2K20. Um, they did it first. That's why we don't need to do Hinkle jokes. Because they've already been done. <laughs> Leave it alone. Um, like coming back to like the middle of mass and just like hearing, like, Skip crack a joke before they go on a patrol and not hearing, like, what the rest of they were talking about. Mm. Like, um, also, I don't know, this is something that, like, I picked up on, but, like, he always went to Gordon for, like, information on what was happening. Right, right. Like, like, Gordon was the gossip or whatever. The town crier. Like, he knew that Pricani had scissors, he knew that Joe Toy needed boots, like, he always knew all that stuff, and, I don't know, he gossip. God, my reading, my writing is so bad. Um, but there are really cool shots in this, like, the one shot that is, like, my favorite, like, cinematically, is when he's laying in the foxhole and, like, praying his rosary, and the flare goes overhead. I don't know. That's beautiful. I, yeah. Yeah. 
what's your guys' favorite like cinematic moments? I really like when he's in Bastogne and that thing blows up while he's running towards it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was about to say that one. Really it's good. Made, made a whole gift of, of it. I loved it that much. <laughs> it's shot beautifully, but he also acts through it beautifully, just like physically reacting to it. Yeah. I really also love when they see the planes coming in for the drop yeah. and everyone's running through the forest to the clearing and you know, cheering and happiness and then all of a sudden, oh shit. And like the smoke bombs that are just like, yeah, it's going beautiful. Up. You can see him smile. It's the, one of the only times in the show you can see him actually smile and it's... Yeah, genuinely. Yes. Uh, it's it's a touching scene, I think. When he's the only one who runs out into the clearing without a weapon yeah. and Lip pulls him aside because yeah. he's unused to combat. I don't know if that's the if that's the term, but like he's not as quick with it. Yeah. Like, he, um, yeah, his response time is a little off because he's used to being, like, a, like, a couple half seconds behind all that. Hmm. Also, I'm hoarding that, this question, but I, I, I truly love this episode. Um, the scene where he just sits there and stare, stares at the fog when they're on, on patrol. Mm. And he's, yeah. he's, he looks so intense and so worried but like a coil just like well yeah and then like yeah and then you see then the second he hears gunshots he puts the morphine in his mouth and just sits off yeah like spring into action what is he thinking of when he's just waiting there but like he's just absolutely ready he doesn't take time to rest really like he's dead concentration yeah yeah inject someone no thoughts head empty just (laughs) combat head empty no thoughts just medicine i also kind of like the shot of that follows his uh, legs as he's going around the foxholes looking for Mm. stuff yeah the first sort of like shot of the episode where it's just like him alone like just wandering around and then he like comes up on all the dead germans and he's like oh shit gotta go gotta blast that's really good yeah it's crazy and it's like it's weird because you'd think he'd be used to seeing bodies by now but he lo- seems so shaken up by it well yeah. i think about that this means that germans are close the enemy is close they're frozen on the ground. Like, that's how terrible the conditions are. It's more like, fuck, there's probably someone near. <laughs> like, mm. you know, like they were saying, they were bleeding through the lines. They, like, yeah. you know, just walked in there. Yeah, it started bothering It's like, they're so in each other's pockets that they, it, anything could happen at any time. Like, one of them could just walk in there and start shooting. Like, it's so close and they're so lost and they're spread so thin. It's, like, really is, like, the sense of danger that, that it, it could happen at any time. Like, they're not fighting, uh, you know, in a line with someone far away where they kind, where they know where they are. They have no idea. They're all over the place. They could be literally ambushed at any time. I think it's, like, it's 
probably it, it sets the scene of the um, danger that they're in, like the situation that they're in, within the conditions and like the position of the enemy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And another I shot think- that I like oh. is right at the end, where when he's bandaging up Babe's hand and it pans up to the tree mm. line. Yeah. <sighs> And you see, like, okay. how close the, you see how close they are to, like, the edge of the forest. Yeah. And you see the footsteps in the snow. Well, to what, to what Rachel was saying, like, um, I think overall, because maybe you're following the medic, there is a sense of more uneasiness to it. Because, like, you don't feel protected. Like, you're not, like, following someone with a weapon. You're following someone that is ultimately vulnerable at all times. Um, so I never really, I that's I never really thought about it like that. But I'm like, wow, like he could have just been like in the head, one and done. So I think that's what that this episode shows, just how, how vulnerable he is. He has no protection. He has to run around in the, you know, while the fighting is going on, while their bombs are being dropped around them, while the others are hiding or, you know, protecting themselves in foxholes or can even defend themselves. He literally has to run within that mess. And you see, like, he runs towards, like, a tree and it gets blown up and he has to, like, you know, roll over and then get up and carry on going just because he has to go do his job. He has to go help someone. And I think it really shows, like, what vulnerable positions that they were in and how, in like, in my opinion, I think he had, like, the most dangerous job. Yeah. yeah definitely especially when you're like you are setting them out without a weapon most of the time I mean some of them probably like actually did have like sidearms and like I think I mentioned there was a shot where they cut of him having a sidearm but like that's not real protection that's not going to get you anything there's also that shot in episode three I think where he you see him taking care of someone and there's just a building exploding right behind him. Yeah. He's yeah. out there in the rubble, nothing protecting him, and he has to save people's lives. Well, like, even in this one where, like, you know, someone comes back from that um, patrol or whatever it was, and he has to help them right now immediately, but the enemy is, like, advancing on them, and, like, we, we've got to get out of here. And he's like, well, mm. what, do you, what do you want me to do? I can't move them. Like, you know, it's that kind of yeah. thing. He has to put himself in danger in order to help whoever and there's all those cases you know like um i can't remember what episode it was maybe it was crossroads or something but like someone walks up there and gets shot and then the medic goes up there and then he right yeah Yeah. go up there though because that's his job and so you know you've got this situation where they're getting shot just because they have to go up and help someone else he's got shot yeah and that's like not to say that like like the like the men taking fire like they're at more risk i think but no obviously, yeah obviously like, that's the medics and targets as well because they know if they yeah. get rid of the medics then they they've got in in fact they've even got the bloody crosses on their arms they've got targets on them so they know was, wasn't there a rule that you don't shoot medics yeah in it's, the european war there was it's like isn't it, it's like you know common courtesy but who's to stop you from doing that if you want to stop them you know in the, at the end of the day you're fighting a war this is your enemy you yeah like you're not really supposed to shoot prisoner of war but people did it all the time because it was just hard to cart to cart them around so you know i mean and like and like who's gonna know whose bullet it was exactly ultimately like whoopsie you did a war crime yeah i didn't mean to i think that's 
that's the little I think that's the running theme of HBO War though. Um war crimes, yeah. War crimes, yeah. <laughs> war crimes. Anything anything dealing with war, uh cringe. <laughs> <laughs> anything goes in a war. This is this is my favorite episode for that reason. It's just your you sort of see the more human side of it and the actual vulnerabilities because you are meant to to this point led to believe that these are like the best trained men the most infallible they they're the professionals they're the top of what they do but at the end of the day like they're dying at like these or they're taking casualties at these extremely high rates like getting don't shot really in the ass. yeah getting shot in the ass shot in the leg shot in the whatever shot in the helmet but you this is I think the most humanizing episode. Um, I think there's more at stake in this episode because you're following someone who's a more vulnerable and B has so much responsibility. You don't, you're not only worried about him, but you're worried about what's going to happen to other people if he's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, you're not so much just following the group as you are in other episodes. You're following just yeah. one person, so you're focused on that one person and supposedly whoever he comes in contact with. And you yeah. like, it just makes you very aware, like you said, if he's gone, uh, how are they gonna, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like Dyke says: if you, two medics in one foxhole, if what happens if you get hit? <laughs> yeah, not to agree with Dyke, but uh yeah, not that he caught agreeing with Dyke. It's just he's a great cannot for the life of me think about the English word for this. He's a great unifying force. Mm. Yeah. A common a common enemy sort so to speak. No, no, no not Dyke, Gene. He's like the he's like the binder. He brings yes. it all together. Gene, I thought you meant Dyke. Well, they are sort of bound by their uh, disdain for him, but that's... Mutual hatred. It's like their the mutual hatred for Sobel kind of brought them together. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta have like, someone to hate. Yeah, but, like, you also, like, you sort of... You, like, like, uh, which one of you said it? I don't remember. Someone said you sort of, you're following him and then you're feeling more for than the person that he's interacting with. I think it was Rachel. Um, which is why, like, I think the scenes where he's fixing Pencala or fixing Skinny or getting Smokey to the aid station are a lot more poignant. Yeah. Because it's like, it's a higher stake situation, it feels like. And you can really see how much he cares for them, like, when um there's that scene where harry harry gets hit and gene takes him to the aid station and bastone is like blowing the hell up yeah and he uh. covers him with his body in that scene where he, he takes uh, skinny to the aid station and like skinny cracks a joke and he smiles at him because it's it's yeah I don't know where like, I was going with this, but... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, though. It's like, you're, you're sort of, you're more, you become more bound to those characters. Right. Through Gene. Like, um, 
But also, like, you have to wonder, because he, he took Smokey to the aid station earlier that day, and then it was bombed that night. Um, oh. I but heard- Smokey lived. <laughs> I heard he was fine. <laughs> yeah, I, he lived. Did he come back uh, after I, that? I don't remember. No, he... The veterans that they were talking to, any of that was Yeah. Him? I'm pretty sure. So, unless... They got a fake one, and I'm pretty sure he's alive. Was, yeah, I think yeah, it was they, fine. Yeah, they all were, because, like, Skinny came back and all that, and, like, Harry came back, but I'm like, uh, where'd they go? Because they were at the aid station. Right. Oh, yeah, I suppose so, but then, you know, they need to make room for people. They probably turf them out as soon as they bloody could, so. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember being so shocked when that happened, because, like, you know it happens anyway. Like, it obviously happens in more hospitals with these targets but it's like really yeah like that was like my when my like first instinct i'm like oh they're dead now like yeah. those people that over the course of like two days he had to take there just gone but no they weren't they all lived <laughs> surprise bitch they all survived. that's just the power of tom hanks yeah, Tom Hanks, thank you. You rewrote history for us. But also, Tom Hanks, name a woman. Another little interaction that I really like is when he's telling Toy what to do with his socks and how to avoid trench foot. Because uh-huh. you ha- we haven't really seen Toy in a few episodes, and all of a sudden you see him an episode before he gets his leg blown off. And- yeah, for much longer yeah yeah and that's another thing i was like i was thinking about how like sort of like smoky knowing all and he like knew that joe toy didn't have um boots and that's how we get the iconic line where your boots in washington up general taylor's ass like the iconic joe toy line because he's just an angry angry one-liners he does. A lot of these guys have, like, really good one-liners. Mm. I'm trying to think of more. Maybe they won't like Well, uh, well, well, what, what, what was it? Well done. I was back home in Tonawanda, and then Hitler started this whole thing, and now I'm here. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's Crossroads. Maybe that but- should be the new joke of the... No, don't, don't, don't give them any ideas, for fuck's sake. We are not giving Tumblr ideas. Make it into a gift set and be done with it. <laughs> Leave it alone. I refuse to look at it with my own eyes. Um, I pretend I do not see it. Um, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm literally not phased by, like, combat anymore. Like, I can, like, sit through it and just, like, stare blankly at it. Like, it doesn't even bother me anymore at this point. I think, I think the Pacific actually desensitized me to that. I was about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing phases you after the Pacific. Literally nothing. nothing. Watching Band of Mothers after watching the Pacific is such a breeze. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it is it's so easy people are it's like so oh nice. it's brutal like, kind of light-hearted you're like yeah the cracking jokes they're having fun just guys being dudes being friends and then in the i'm gonna take these teeth out of this guy's head and yeah my it's like nobody's happy in the pacific everyone wants to die the first episode oh, and, you and there's were... that scene where jay poops himself that's the one good thing they get 
in the I'm bitter about it. The first episode, you have to uh, come to terms with the fact that God is dead, and that's it. Yeah. That's the tone of the show. Band of Brothers do very different things. Band of Brothers talks about you know how important it is to have camaraderie and have bonds between the people during war, whereas the Pacific is more of like the horrors of war. Like look at how it affects people. Look at what it does to people because you get the post-war scenes and you see you know Sledge's got his PTSD and yeah oh but I love it though <laughs> yeah. I love the PTSD vibes I I, I feel like I vibe it That's yeah not I think it, it's really you know Band of Brothers kind of you know like yes war is bad blah 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 but look at how good friends we are <laughs> whereas the Pacific is like look how shit war is like it's really horrible it's grueling it's nasty you lose your mind like it changes you as a person like it's how war changes you I think they they might not have gone into like as much. They didn't go into any post war with Band of Brothers because I think maybe a lot of them were still alive and they didn't want to like talk about their experiences after the war. With Slet, with Sledge, with Pacific, I think some of them were still alive though when they. Made- Bergie was alive and Sid, yeah. I think. And yeah, a couple of them were still alive. So I think they just aim to do different things. Band of Brothers, the book, yeah. is about they're experiencing war whereas the pacific they took it from separate personal accounts like you know they're they're all in different companies and they meet like by chance briefly yeah we never met and so it's about tying in their different experiences and how they were how they were changed by the war and how it you know how horrible it was so i think i think i think band of brothers is more focusing on like the company as a whole whereas the pacific is like specifically character driven yeah like you see like that's like not to shit on i just like the pacific a bit more because it's it's uh a lot smaller there aren't as many people to follow and like keep in your mind everyone is that's that's john bassalone and he's gone in my episode eight so it's mine yeah and it's like you it's you get more attached and it hurts mm. more, but yeah. it's also, yeah. you get to know those people better. Well, I think then there's, like, as a general thing with, like, Band of Brothers, you have to pick who you get attached to. Because right. there are so many people, but, like, they sort of, like, give you, like, very well fleshed out characters. And it's, like, a, a couple options, and you're, like, you can, you can have these, and they're more developed. Yeah, it's a cinematic it's- marvel that they had 10 episodes and they still managed to like sort of develop like 50 odd characters well, yeah barely. i think barely like you know these they're all very likable in band of brothers you know there's barely anyone you don't like whereas in if a webster they have all horrible <laughs> things that go on and you know they have moments where you're like that was horrible like they all have parts of their personality that you don't like and they're like they're more human they're more realistic they're more like what you would expect well-rounded you like mm-hmm. whereas Band of brothers they're more of the perhaps patriotic idea of what a soldier should be they're good they're laughing they're all american they're having fun but they're also really good at being soldiers it's and a show full have- of captain americans <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a couple buckies because some of them don't play by the rules but oh my god just one but even then, even Spears, you're like, oh, he's a lovable little scamp, isn't he? He killed those guys. <laughs> what a guy. Lovable little war criminal. Yeah, <laughs> Love him. 
cannot believe he's about to take the te- the, the gold out the teeth of these headless men. Like they're doing far worse things. Cheeky little kleptomaniac. Mm. <laughs> you see all these watches, and you're like, what about the the teeth that the other guy's got? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> worse than the other. I was gonna you say see that woman in the camp that had to clean up the people her husband murdered well i had to hold a dying woman in my arms yeah (laughs) i mean obviously very different wars and very different tactics used right but i think i was gonna say maybe the closest we got to like a like a post-war like ptsd evaluation of band of brothers was the men talking before the episodes Mm. And, like, specifically how, I think in episode six, (laughs) bringing it back around, um, I think only one of them mentions Doc Rowe by name when they're talking about the medics, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they mention him. They do talk about a uh, a medic. There's there's definitely one of them that mentions him by name. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's only one. Yeah, it's only one. Or maybe, or I think it might have been in episode Eight, when Don Malarkey mentions him by name, and I think that might be the only time. Mm. But it's just like Malarkey writes. Malarkey writes. Um, Malarkey writes. Rach. Oh, Malarkey writes. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, we'll wait. That's a wave. Um, but yeah, I think it's there are different sort of like evaluations and maybe it was done that way because that was a a documentary speaking about like the men talking at the beginning that was a documentary that was like done a year before i think band of brothers and it was still for hbo but it was like they just sort of asked the veterans about the campaign and the different campaigns that they participated in and um they just sort of clipped that out, but no one really in that documentary, because I did watch that for another reason, did talk about Doc Rose specifically. So again, I think I already said this, but it is extremely uh, impressive that they got an entire episode about him. And it might just be about like symbolic of medics in general for Easy Company, but yeah. And they just happen to find Shane Taylor, who was a nice little cute English boy, and they're like, you'll do it. Why they could find, and they're like, can you do a Cajun accent? And he's like, no. And they're like, you've got the job anyway. Can you do accents? No. You've got the job. It's fortunate because he was so rarely mentioned in the book, and they barely talked about him in the documentary that we still got to see something about him and get to know him. I saw an interview with Shane Taylor and Matthew Leach, I think, and uh, Doc Rowe's grandson. And Doc Rowe said that Shane gave them his grandfather. And the idea that someone who didn't talk about the war in much in his lifetime and wasn't mentioned much in the books and in documentary was still brought to life in a sense. Well, 
they and I think they did get like everything because they did have to like make it about Doc Rowe, but I think they did get everything they needed from stories from like the surviving veterans because he had died well before the book was written in 98 98 really oh yeah 1998 so the book came out in 92 but like I don't think they talked to him for it but they talked to the veterans about him for the series and obviously like it's a show for entertainment value so like some things are like made up like I'm pretty sure he wasn't from like Cajun healers but no yeah yeah creative liability they can do whatever they can write whatever they fucking want well yeah. that and the fact that he never met renee mm. yeah you know they forced not forced but they wrote relationships between characters who were barely ever mentioned together anyway so it's just a way of storytelling and i think it's like so important that they had this episode for the medic because like I said before you seldom ever see their point of view and how they experience things and I think it just gives you a different perspective on their role and that all together I mean some people I remember when my brother watched it, know that we had medics in the army <laughs> no they just sort of let him die yeah um, and they, they don't need to use a hundred percent his life and his story and what he actually went through during the war to make it important they can add things into it say look we don't know much about this guy but here's what we would think his experience would be based on perhaps other people's experiences and what people have told us about him yeah like i definitely do think it was like using him as the vehicle to tell the story of medics but they do, I don't remember who it was that said this, but I, I think, like, two different people said that he was their best medic. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think, but I think, yeah, you're right. I think one of their captains or lieutenants or a CEO. I think it was Foley. It was Foley who put him in for a medal, but doesn't think he had And then I think um, Garnier said something about him, he, yeah. how he took care of them. It's just, this This is my favorite, I, again, like, this is all our favorite episodes, because it is the most human, and it does tell the story of, sort of, not to, uh, how do I want to say this? <laughs> I have to choose my words very carefully. Um, you, hmm. World War II is a very interesting war to me because I'm pretty sure it's the last, I know it's the last just war the U.S. ever fought. Yeah. For, like, reasons. And so you see these men in a very heroic light, but then you also have to realize they were fallible. And especially, this isn't, this isn't a winner's episode, but, like, you have to understand that, like, even Dick Winters was fallible. He, all of them were, and they were sort of at the at the hands of their medics and that of Doc Rowe and Doc Spina and all the different ones that they had. Uh, it sort of takes you out of it. It takes you out of this is, you know, this is the war and this is what we're fighting for as to this individual and their experience and the setting that they're in. And it's just for them, it's about getting through and keeping as many people alive as they can. It's not about for him, it's not about fighting the enemy. So it sort of takes you out of that and it sort of puts you into this position where you're like, 
kind of questioning the war like all these men are dying and it's his job to keep them alive and you know help them and heal their wounds and yet you know why are they getting why why is this happening anyway so it sort it definitely takes you out and takes you to a different way of looking at this war and perhaps questioning what is happening and why it's happening yeah i mean like we went into the pacific but like the pacific is like the big like questioning what we're even there for but this mm, one yeah. is this one you just yeah in the pacific you've got no kind of medic presence at all so you know the only well, medic there is that, get the, shot. <laughs> right and there's also the 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 medic who I, 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 I sort of had a, have, have a crush on, the one with the glasses. I just, I, I love a, a sarcastic, exasperated you know, man. You know, medic that is attached to any of them and you don't follow yeah. it. You yeah. see that guy for, what, maybe two minutes? Uh, so that, that's what I mean. Like, there's no real medical woman presence. Right. In, yeah. So you don't think about it. So you don't think about it. They get wounded and you kind of just move on. You don't really see how they end up. Like, right. Yeah, lucky you don't you even see him and how he ends up until like an, an episode later or something like that. So you really the last just, episode, yeah. like Bill gets hit by a fucking grenade and he goes out for like what four three episodes and then he comes back in episode nine like hi I'm back. Literally, where did like, you get back? Yeah, like it's it's the it's the glue. It's the it's the binder of everything. It's who's keeping them alive in Band of Brothers. And, and it's just, it's a good tender episode. Yeah. It's, it's... You can't go, you can't talk about this episode without, like, mentioning just, like, the, the, the tenderness that involves taking care of other people. Yeah. Like, he has to be gentle with them yeah and like and he even like going back to renee like he remarks about her hands how like hands specifically about how they're like they're they have like the power to cure people which is like yeah you you sort of have to you have to suspend the idea of brutality or no you're don't have to you do suspend the idea of brutality for like even just an hour even though it is still happening in the background you know it's a tough episode but it's sort of like a a breath of fresh air yeah because like and i like i i said like about an hour ago you you see everything else happening in the war but you see it in the periphery like, it's not, like, directly in front of you until, like, he's running through, like, gunfire and mortars being shelled. Yeah. Yeah, like, you don't see the Battle of the Bulge at all. Yeah. Really until... Like, I, don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, you get it tenfold in the next episode, but... Oh, boy. But that's... That's yeah. episode seven. We do not talk about her here. Yeah, that's episode seven. Um, and I will say this has been episode six, Bastone. It has been... Oh, we're finishing. Okay. Yeah, we are. It's been about an hour. Um, 
yeah, so this has been episode six. It has been lovely talking to my friends about... A laugh a minute. Haven't stopped giggling. <laughs> <laughs> it's a barrel of laughs here. Had a good laugh. In the... Had a good laugh. Wajak. All right, well, see you guys in the next episode. Bye.